are using all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations to all my fellow Sky Watchers listening once again from coast to coast, broadcasting to you live. This is the wonderful show called Sky Watchers Radio on this wonderful September 5th, 2017, coming to you at ludicrous speed right before we hit plaid, direct from New Logic Studios in Miami, Florida, which is about to be very wet in a couple of days, folks. We're gearing for one of the biggest storms in recorded history. That's right. I live right where the eye is about to pass, and I'm talking about the Hurricane Irma, and I'm going to get to that in a second. I got some uh, interesting thoughts on this uh, terrible hurricane but uh as uh, always with me uh, i have a co-host but tonight it's not the other guy it's not my hetero radio life mate because i think he might be uh drowning somewhere uh his sorrows for what's about to come in the next few days i don't know what's happened to him he, he's mia but joining me tonight is the one and the only the incredible the outspoken the one and only christopher j brown what's up buddy Hey, hey, how are you doing? I'm here. I'm here. I'm I'm alive uh, too, getting ready for my big drama. Uh, it's happening on my end here in Oregon, and uh, actually, I've been ready because it's 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 all around me. So, but my I know goodness. you're dealing with their crowd, dude. It's crazy because we're getting hit from all over the place. We're getting hit mm-hmm. from your area. You know, it's just uh, what's happening there is terrible. Uh, what's about to happen here? It looks like it's going to be horrible. What's happening in Houston? Oh my goodness. My niece is out there, and uh, she's going through that right now. And the, my, uh, my my condolences to all the victims out there. And mm-hmm. you know, my my heart, you know, it, it breaks every time I see footage of like what's going on out there. It's just, it's horrendous. Uh, but you know, we're we're uh, we'll get through it, man. That's uh, the you know that's what we do. But uh, we have a huge show on our hands tonight, guys. To segue back into what we are here for, because this is Sky Watchers Radio. And what do we do here on Sky Watchers Radio? Talk about our UFOs and talk about experiencers and all these unique, special things that have happened to people. You know, that's a much better answer than my regular co-host, the other guy, Alan, mm. would give me. Oh, thank you. Shame on him. Mm. First he's not yeah. here, then you give a better answer. It's incredible, guys. Incredible. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great answer, but we're here to explore the unexplorable. We're here to explore what you guys out there are always thinking about, but you can't go out and do it yourselves. And, of course, tonight our guest is uh, a person who's, you know, uh, who's done a lot of research in a subject that I am very, very interested in. And uh, we're talking about the Great Pyramids of Giza and the uh, pyramids in general. I mean, uh, why were they built? Who built them? 
How did they build them? What technology was used to build these things? We're going to talk to a gentleman who knows a lot about the subject, and he's written a couple books, uh, which I'm, I'm going through myself, uh, going through them right now, and uh, I'm halfway through one, and it's just a great, uh, you know, it's, it's a great piece of work when it comes to learning of the, you know, why these things were built. What was the yeah. necessity of the actual, you know, construction of these uh, these pyramids? And, I, you know, there's one of the books, uh, it's called his first book, it's titled The Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramids, and the second book is The Great Pyramids uh, Prosperity Machine. And uh, The Lost Technologies is the one that I'm on. It's uh, it's very interesting stuff, the stuff that he covers in there. I'm talking about uh, Stephen Myers, folks. He's the author of these two books, and I highly recommend you go to Amazon after the show, Amazon.com, and purchase them on Kindle or buy the hard copies, whichever. Start reading them. It's very interesting stuff. One thing that I, that Chris, that me and him kind of like uh, instantly bonded on, which is kind of crazy, and you know this from talking to you over the you know, last uh, couple of years, um, you know that I don't, I don't subscribe to aliens built everything. You know that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm of the I'm of the open mind that yes, aliens exist. We've been visited many times. You know, they come and go as they please. I'm sure of that. But I also think that you know a lot of stuff that uh, ancient aliens. The show gives credit to aliens because they do everything. Apparently, a lot of that stuff is really stuff that we did ourselves. Just a previous version of humanity. You know, something some civilization that. Maybe some of their records or their technologies got lost over time. Uh, when we look at some of the Egyptian, uh, you know, artifacts that we find, like the uh, Egyptian, uh, what do you call it? The uh, remember the battery? The uh, what is it? The Baghdad battery? Okay, all right. I you guess. That? You, you, <laughs> I, I well, you I don't, don't you, actually. I'm going to be honest. Okay. I don't. Well, Google as we're talking, Google the Baghdad battery. It, it's actually this thing they found. Uh, it looks like a battery, and it's, we're talking about something that's like five thousand years old. I mean, oh, they, they, okay, yes, I do. Yeah. I do know. I'm sorry, I have a little brain brain it, freeze there. I do know what you're talking about. Well, there you go. I mean, they were discovering all the time that these folks back then knew things that we, you know, just have forgotten. And uh, my, my theory, my take is that a lot of the stuff that you know we, we take for granted. Um, you know, that we've learned over the years, have evolved from previous technologies. We've just forgotten or have not been told where they came from. Um, you know, a lot of even our, um, our, our systems, for example, for clean water and for sewage, you know, these kind of things. I mean, what do you think we get all, all this technology from, all these ideas to build these things from? You know, a lot of this uh, come from ancient technologies. In fact, the, the Egyptians had, you know, uh, I believe they had a system of... Uh, running water at some point so when you look at that is that alien built is it man-made you know what kind of technologies are we left behind that we just are not aware of we're going to talk to steven about that and uh it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to have him on in the second hour open lines as usual if you guys want to call in 786-245-8127 is the call-in number and uh Keep it, you know, we want to keep it civil, we want to keep it to the subject. I know this is uh, a show about aliens and UFOs, and I'm sure we're going to cover that also, because I'm going to ask him, you know, his theory on aliens and if he believes that, you know, they're responsible at all for some of this technology that uh, was given probably to mankind back then. Because sure. the, question, the question then, Chris, becomes, well, where did this technology come from? That it, was it something that we developed, or was it given to us, right? Sure. You know, you, you know, you gotta I think, be young. I, I think we build it, but we're gonna find out what he thinks. What, what are your, what's your thought on the uh, 
topic? I I think that we built it. I think that you know we kind of um, kind of stop sometimes and don't really give ourselves enough credit for being you know. Um, smart people and then to think that uh, back in those days when there was nothing and all they did is really just have to sit there and work and do their life and when they're done with that sit there and think and twiddle their thumbs well, there's right. a lot of thinking going around and they weren't sitting on iPads iPods computers and and, and doing all that they, they were thinking people and mm-hmm. so you know anything's possible yeah, they didn't have no iPads or uh, iPods or any any uh, Samsung phones back then. And the world was, you know, another thing is, is here we're, as I'm breathing in crappy uh, fumes from the fires and stuff around me. Well, back then, the world was pure. The world was, was, was everything was very much more pure and stuff like that, and everything's organic, of course. So, you know, these people's minds were fresh. These people were, were there. They, 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 they weren't dumb. They weren't mm-hmm. stupid and um as far as I'm concerned, a hell of a lot smarter than we are. So. No, none of that. We're talking about uh, Egypt, maybe 5,000, maybe 10,000 years ago, right? That's a very small part of what this planet's been here for. We're talking about a planet that's been here for maybe 4 or 5 billion years that we know of. Oh. Uh, I'm telling you, you know, civilizations have come and gone many times. You know, we give, uh, not only do we not give ourselves enough credit for being resilient and building stuff, but we don't give ourselves enough credit for surviving the eons and surviving the disasters and the pole shifts and the climate changes that are natural, by the way, that happens on this planet and continue to survive and spread through the planet and build things. I mean, we're a very resilient bunch. You know, a lot of folks say, well, you know, when the nuclear stuff happens or when there's a disaster, only thing left on the planet is going to be cockroaches. I don't believe that. I think we're going to survive. A, a big chunk of us will survive. We'll find a way to rebuild. I mean, we, we do that. That's what human beings do. So um, there's a lot of that that we're going to cover with uh, Stephen tonight. Uh, I do have a, a couple other things that I wanted to get to. One thing that happened over the week and uh, over the, the weekend, actually, with uh, Mike Barra that I said I was going right. to speak about. And um, actually, Project Avalon... Um, uh, the forum, uh, I posted about it because people there were talking about it and, uh, uh, something that happened in which I was very disappointed in, uh, Chris. You know, Mike Barrow is, uh, I, you know, I consider Mike Barrow to be a good guy. I really do. Yeah. I have no ill will towards Mike. I think he's a, a kind person. I think he means well. He's a, he's a hell of a good, he's a really good author. I mean, I like his book a lot. A lot. I read his book. And was, he's a personal good guy. I, I, I watched a little bit of the video the other day mm-hmm. that, um, that you know, you guys, I didn't comment or anything, but I did watch a little bit of that. And, um, yeah, I, you know, he, I, I didn't know he was a big Seahawk fan, but uh, I think yeah. he's up. I think he's from Washington area or something, maybe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it's from Seattle. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I've been friendly with him for a while now. In fact, when Skywatchers Radio TV was first airing, years and years ago, he was one of our uh, first guests that I, that I booked on the show, which I was really excited to have on because I was a big fan of his work with Richard C. Hoagland on uh, Enterprise Mission and um, and whatnot. But what happened this week kind of like it, it shed some light to what's really going on here. Uh, and it's been happening slowly but gradually with the folks that he has become friendly with, who I think are the ones that are kind of getting into his head and molding a sort of a, uh, a cohesive unit with these folks. And I'm talking about the uh, JCs of the world, David Wilcox mm-hmm. of the world. And he's kind of like joining that fringe group where it's kind of, it's sad that he's kind of taking that route 
and kind of like started hanging out with him because I think they're getting into his head. And uh, it, it's a sad thing because he, for the most part, is a good guy. I asked him uh, to be on the show, and he um, he said that his agents now ask him to charge two hundred and fifty dollars for an hour interview. Hmm. Well, you know what? And I'm sorry, Mike, whoever. Um, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't ever pay anybody that kind of money just, just because I didn't, have, I mean, I don't think he's anything real big like whoop de doo I mean, <laughs> that's like, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, each of their it, own, I understand. Here's the thing. I, I like his work. I like the work of the guests we're going to have on tonight. And I like the work of a lot of guests that we've had on this show. I've never paid for a guest, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe in that. I don't make money off the show. I don't believe in paying for the guys. Uh, this is kind of like a symbiont relationship. You know, we have you on. You know, we promote your work. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things that we're, I'm very friendly with the guests. And the only reason I'm putting Mike on the spot here is because his answer was very cold, dry, and unexpected considering this is a person that I've been friendly with. He's been on the show before, and he's never asked to charge. The only reason this is coming up now is because he has become friends with somebody who I guess has a, a thing or two against us, and I think this person is chiming in his ear, and uh, that is uh, something that it's troubling to me. If that's the case, um, I know Project Avalon was were asking questions of, uh, you know, they were asking basically a lot of the folks there wanted to know what brought this on. You know, mm-hmm. why would he give me that answer? And I think it has a lot to do with what, uh, you know, we've been talking about here on the show with uh, not only this show, but, of course, on UFO Now, which is now defunct, because there's no more UFO Now, by the way. I don't know if you were aware of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's gone. Uh, but uh, also, you know, Rich and the Paranormal Code, we've been talking about, uh, you know, Gaia and what's been going on with the Nesca Mummy and David Wilcox and... and uh, Jimmy Church's involvement, and you know these are his buddies now. They've become buddies, and there's something that he did in a video which I criticized him for, and I think this is the root of, of everything. I criticized Mike Barra because he came out in a video and he said literally uh, to take whatever Corey Good or David Wilcox or, or Jimmy Church or these guys say, and just believe it at faith value because these guys are honest guys. Look at them, look at their faces. They couldn't you know lie to you. They wouldn't lie to you. It was along those lines. And to me, that's the most hypocritical thing to tell anybody because we should all go through everything with an open mind, but at the same time, a skeptical open mind. You shouldn't just take anything at faith value and just, you know, believe because somebody's telling you and feeding you something, just believe it because, hey, you know, he looks like a nice guy. Yeah, it's your buddy. And, you know, you you got to know her, you know, and the thing of it is, it's, it's a big thing in this industry is you – you got to watch what you say to a lot of these people. They don't want to say the wrong thing because right. because every, everybody's chewing on each other and and everybody listens to the show and everybody hears something. And they afraid if they say something, then it's going to be taken the wrong way or somebody's going to trans back to that person and 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 perceive it the wrong way or or whatever you know. And and wires get crossed, people get upset, and things happen. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're, you know, sometimes you're best just to take a step back and just concentrate on yourself and not on these other people and what they think and what they want to do. That's why I, I do in my gig, you know, and, and, and all I, my thing with it is I walk away with this is that to me, all those people are just the messengers. They're the messengers of the people that are like me 
that have gone out there and made myself, a, you know, available and did all I could do to get my counter out and made an open mind and blah, blah, all the crap. I can go on forever. Yeah, but, and you're, you're, thing, you're but then they used my, but hold on, but then they go and they use my encounter or they talk about my encounter and on the show to talk about or whoever the people's counter, I'm not saying me, but other people's encounter. And then everybody looks at them and glorifies that. But if that person were to get on the show and talk about their encounter instead of them saying, hey, wait, time out. Get back. I, I need to get that. Then it's a whole other deal, and then it's you know they're not looked upon the same, and you know because it's not that glamorizing person. Well, there, that there's bothers, that. That bothers the, me. I could. Yeah, and, 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 there's that. There's that. But the, 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 the crazy thing here is that you know when he sits there and he talks about somebody like David Wilcox, for example, who is a person who is right over and over and over again over the last two decades. Uh, this is a person who went on coast to coast AM with Art Bell back in the nineties and claimed he was a time traveler from the future and yeah. gave you know gave this entire you know hour long. Uh, you know, rant about what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. None of it came true, obviously, and he's not from the future. He's a liar. Then he comes, you know, up with, oh, I'm the Ed, I'm reading the reincarnation of Edgar Casey, and this nonsense because he kind of resembles him a little bit. I guess they have the same size forehead. I don't know, but I mean, you know, it's it's nonsense. And That's he, this is this is the Wilcox. Yeah, this? this is what David Wilcox. Uh, this is what he goes on. That he's the okay. reincarnation oh. of uh, Edgar, Edgar Casey, and he's somehow you know he's, he connects himself to certain people to make money and, and that, that's fine if you're going to be in you know this industry and uh, you're going to find your, your niche and you're going to find your, you know the new agers that you're connected with that's fine you know find your niche do what you got to do but when you're going to start lying to folks on on a grand scale like going on coast to coast saying stuff like that uh telling people that you're the edgar casey reincarnation or 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 pulling somebody like cory good out with this you know hokey blue aliens uh you know nonsense that that it's just complete, you know, nonsense. When there is nothing to back up your claims for anything you've ever said, that's why he has to get the posse to go with him. You kidding? I right. mean, I'm crying out loud. I mean, if you're going to say Wait. such things, you're going to have to have everybody around you believing it too, and you're only going to want to deal and be around these people that are centered around you that believe you and look at you that way. Because let's be honest, and let's just mm-hmm. be let's just be flat out honest. All right. Because in the frickin' normal room with the normal Joe Blow, the lawyer here, the whatever teacher here, the whatever principal or whoever the heck, they're gonna you're gonna go to swapping that story there and they're gonna look at you and you're gonna be Fred Flintstone when the boss chews him out. <laughs> and they're gonna be the guy sitting in the corner that nobody's gonna wanna talk to. Okay, so you better go and you better hang around all these guys and tell them your stories and let them guys you and and praise and and wave their hands and all Allah and think whatever whoever you are, but but that's what you have to do if you have these enormous claims like this. I myself as experiencers could just tell you, hey, I seen a crap, boom, 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 and explain what it looked like, boom, it's gone. That's all. That's as far as it goes. But as far as sitting there saying that I've gotten out of time reading time travel, I'm the recreation of whoever. And, you know, you you know, you know here's, here's the kicker. The, you try know, telling that to a room full of people, okay? No, no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Chris. Hold on. Let me, let me uh, chime in for a second. Here's sure. the thing. If he was the reincarnation of Edgar Casey, that's fine. He could be, you know, who's not, who wants to say that he's not? Let's just put it out there. I don't know that for a fact. 
You don't know that for a fact. Let's give him. Let's give him that one. But when the guy comes in, when the guy comes into the field already with a a claim that he's a time traveler from the future. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm not making this shit up, guys. You can look on YouTube, find the audio, David Wilcox, time traveler, Art Bell. Look that up. You'll find it. It's it's right there. It's easier to find. And when you when you are that person, he comes forward with that kind of you know stuff, and then a couple of years later you change to something else, and then you change to something else, and then I mean what he's done, he's just continuously tried to find a niche for himself, which he's done that with uh, this guy, uh, you know, this group guy uh, with uh, Corey uh, Good, which Corey Good is a guy look who uh, there's a, and this is not me making it up again. You can Google this. This man has a restraining order against him from his previous employer. He was practically homeless uh, because he's a stalker and a crazy person. And you know when I said it on a show a few uh, months ago, and I, and I stand by it. I, know, I think it was on Euphonaut. Where you know to me, Corey Good comes off as a person who uh, is just a buddy of uh, of Wilcox and uh, of some of these guys, and they recruited him to uh, carry on with this lie and uh, to add somebody else into the mix who might have, you know, he might have needed a handout because he probably was doing pretty bad in life. And this is before I became aware of the whole stalker thing, by the way, Chris. This is before that came out. I said that on the show because that's just the vibe I got from the guy. That he seems like a guy who's maybe troubled. He might have, you know, you know, been having a kind of like a bad, rough time in life. So they brought him on board with their hoax and, you know, said, hey, you know what? Let's make some money. I'm, I'm going to help you out if you help us out by you carrying this lie and we're going to go and put you on the camera and this and that. And, you know, this, this is how this happens folks, I'm not kidding, and I, this is what I believe happened with Corey Good, and the reason I based that on is because I've seen interviews with him and David Wilcox, and it, it really looks like he's being coached along by David, as he's asking questions, Corey can't give him a straight answer, so David kind of like chimes in and says, oh, don't you mean that this happened this way, kind of like pushing him towards you know the answer that he wants him to, to give, because he doesn't know the, informa- the information, which he should know if he went through this experience with these so-called aliens, right? So, that's one of the things that led me to believe this theory of mine. And then it came out a little bit later that, oh, yeah, he was actually arrested for stalking, and they threw him out as a restraining order with the previous employer. I mean, all kinds of, of craziness with this guy. So, I mean, these are not folks that you, you, you want to be on camera telling people, oh, look at their face, they're honest individuals, believe everything they're saying. Well, you don't want to. You, know, you don't want. You don't want to do that f- to these people, okay? Because they're clearly not honest individuals. So this is the rift I think that that took place. Just to like you know you know close this chapter on on, on the show tonight on this whole thing with Mike Barra. This is the rift that me and Mike had, I believe, that he probably got wind of me saying that 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 wasn't very cool of him, and I lost a little respect for him, you know, for doing that. Because honestly, you should never, ever ever say stuff like that about, you know, folks who you know clearly are hoaxers. I mean, there's no doubt about it with these two guys. Well, you know how Hollywood is. They they, they, they suck in the trash, so that's what it is. It's a, it's just a big, huge Hoover vacuum, and, and, and they turn it on, and it sucks in those type of people. And those type you know, of people all migrate over there, and they all clan together, and it kind of goes back to all what I was saying before. They That's... You know that kind of goes all one big herd because those it's are the crazy. people that stick together, and yeah, it's so crazy. yeah. And you watched out with our, you, you know, to even go out of the UFO thing, even with other shows, you know, and mm-hmm. it's they do that with everything, and it's just the more sleazy and the more uh, you know racy and the more you know, yep. you know, then it's then it's let's just bring it in more, and you know, I mean that's that's kind of what it seems like. I mean, gosh, I. 
coming from a little bit of firsthand experience that I've kind of gotten just trying myself and seeing, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, gosh, you know, but you know, that's, that's, uh, it is what it is. And I, and I, I don't know him personally and, and, you know, outside of him with saying all these things, he mean, he's the nicest guy in the world and all that besides his, but the thing of it is, is those are, those are big things. And those are things that when you tell people, as I said before, that people really look at you like a nutcase. Right. And, no, but and it, they it, it, look at you like you're, yeah, I could, I could, I could really take that in. Like when I go and I tell people, all right, somebody tells an encounter or something, you know, people could take that in and they can hear that and they can, okay, yeah, all right, you know, that's interesting. I just kind of seen something like kind of weird one night too. Right. And right. it's over with. Okay. But then when people have to go and have to magnify things, it's no different than when you, when you were a little kid and you're, you're in a kindergarten and you went and you sat in all in the big circle and you know, one whispered in the one year. To whisper it around as the jack jumped over the candlestick. Well, by the time it got all the way back around, as jack jumped over the candlestick, he broke his leg, six places, had to go to the hospital, suffered from a staph infection, was put on life support. Five days later, he died, right? So... I have no I mean, idea where you're going with this right now, by the way. Well, no I'm telling you, by the time it gets done, I'm just saying, by the time it gets done to the other end, you hear it, you hear it, you, you whisper in the, in the kid's ear, right? So it gets all the way around, and it gets to come back into your ear. You got a whole other story, okay? But it goes through three, four, forty different people. Uh, okay, I see what you're saying now, but just to close the chapter, yeah, because you, you got. I think you lost the audience. I saw some numbers drop. It was crazy. But listen, uh, you know, just to, to close out on this, Mike Barrett, because I have some news I want to get to. Also, by the way, uh, you know, Mike Barrett, look, man, I love you. I think you're a good guy. I have no ill will towards you. Uh, but that, you know, that, you know. That comment back to me and the way you handled that uh, was very uh, telling of who you've become, and it's sad uh, because I have a lot of respect for you still, uh, but I have no respect for what you did in that instant because if you're if we're friends, you know, friends don't do that, and we've been friends for a long time, and you know it's uh, it's kind of messed up to uh, see a friend do that just because he got criticized, and the criticism it's very legit, I believe because. Uh, you know, like I said, you just don't endorse people who are known liars with stuff like that. And that all goes back to the Nesca mummy that they were, you know, talking about. And this is, you know, where that video kind of like was, uh, was in reference to. And then, funny enough, Chris, funny enough, after we criticize him, he backpedals on video. And he starts coming out with saying, well, look, no, honestly, the Nazca mummy, I don't believe it to be real anymore, and uh, this is why, and blah, 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 and he changed, the, you know, the whole tune of the story. Mm-hmm. After he was criticized. So I, I have a feeling that's what caused the rift. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, he doesn't get too hurt by me coming out and talking about it, because I, I felt that uh, with enough folks that saw what happened, I kind of had to, like, you know, just explain what, what what's going on but uh, that's pretty much it i mean if anybody else who have uh, uh who have any questions you could you know email me directly and i'll be more than happy to give you oh. any more details as it, it evolves but that's kind of the end of it where i want to leave it here tonight uh i do have a couple on, other things i was going to say so quick on a, on a on a positive note for for, for my it's i do hope that that our seahawks have a good season okay? hey, man. I'm, a, I'm a seahawk fan too so there we go. Hey, so my shout outs to uh, the Seahawks and to my friends out in Seattle. I have a lot of friends out in Seattle. Uh, out of, actually, and it's funny because I, I love Seattle. I was planning to go out there and uh, invent in the next few years. Uh, my boy Out of Sight is out there, and uh, he's one of my uh, my good friends. Uh, and of course, uh, the Rush Project. 
love those dudes. And that's a, that's a rap group called the Rush Project. And, um, they're an awesome duo. I mean, uh, if you guys go to uh, YouTube, type in the Rush Project, you're gonna love them. They're, they're great. And type in Out of Sight also. He's an amazing rapper, producer. And, um, you know, I have a lot of friends out in Seattle, so I was kind of hoping one day to go over there and maybe kick it with, uh, Mike Barrow and do a video or something and, uh, you know, talk about, you know, his book or, you know, do a live interview. But now I know if an audio interview for an hour costs, uh, 250 bucks, a video must be like several thousand dollars. Jesus. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, buddy, but, uh, you For that price, I could, I, I could probably get like, you know, uh, Art Bell for that kind of price. <laughs> I don't even know who really he is. So you know, these 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 thing of it is is I wouldn't pay anybody that type of money unless it was somebody that everybody knew that was right. just that person. You know, and that's those to me those aren't those people. So those are just people that everybody knows within this industry. Brother, I've had I've had like outside the industry, and they don't know who any of these people. Bro, are. I've, like, I've right. had I've had major authors on the show. I've had movie stars on the show. Yeah. All right, Eva Mendez's little brother is my close friend. Carlos Mendez has been on my show. Doug Jones, a guy from Hellboy One and Two, and the Silver Surfer, he's a friend of mine. He's been on my show. Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters, to name drop a few. Brian J. Glass, comic book author, legend. He's been on the show. In fact, he's, we're going to have him on next month. Hey, and you know what? We never had to pay Bill to come on our show. Exactly. And and we had Bill Burns yep. on the show. And we never had to pay him one time. He just came no, out and to help us because he was our friend. So, he's a legend. Yeah, there we go. See, he doesn't look at it like a like a money thing to us. He just looks at friend things. So, you know, so, out. I'm, I'm just more than anything disappointed in, uh, in Mike Perry. That's really more than anything else. So hopefully well, he, he may have to rent, get that rent money going. You know, times are tough. You know, maybe it could be. He <laughs> could be. He could be. He could be. He could be. He could be. Uh, you might hit the nail right on the head there, buddy. Yeah, damn right. Hit it. Now, uh, moving on to some other stuff because we wasted way too much time on that. Uh, Hurricane Irma is on the way here, and uh, Hurricane Irma is going to cause some damage uh, this weekend. Uh, am I worried? I'm a little worried. This is a very strong storm. It's about 185 mile per hour category right now, uh, category 5 hurricane. And uh, 185 miles an hour wind. The, the strongest in recorded history that we know of is 190. Yeah, that was 190. So this is right there, and this this could even actually surpass it. They're thinking. Yeah. So, but we don't want to look at that too much. We just want to look at it fizzling out and something miraculously happening that it that it it just dissipates somewhat. But it's not looking like it's going. Well, it's going to do some damage. Look, and, and luckily for us, and unluckily for other folks. Uh, luckily for us in Florida, it will not hit us at, you know, 180 miles an hour or 200 miles an hour. It'll probably hit somewhere around 130 to 140 miles an hour. And I say that. Once it hits land, you know. It, once it hits, down. uh, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Cuba, it's gonna, it's gonna slow down because just of the land, you know, itself. But still, it's gonna hit Florida. I mean, this is a massive storm. Uh, so I'm glad we're getting this show in because this might be the last show I perform for a, for a couple of weeks if we lose power here at the studio. I'm so. surprised you're doing, I'm surprised you're doing a show actually i was i was actually uh, <laughs> looking on your facebook to see what you were your plans were doing because i didn't know if you were hustling out of town as i'm seeing all these people rushing out of florida and all these people on my facebook are like packing their stuff and, and leaving they're all in florida right now so 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy town right now. I look, my niece is over in Houston, and they're going through it as well. So, it's not fun. We have a guest, uh, Robert Morningstar, on booked next week. If for whatever reason we cannot do the show because of what you know transpired, uh, he'll be uh, you know switched to another date, uh, probably towards the end of the month or something. Maybe the nineteenth if we, we have power back on then. Uh, but my goodness, uh, this thing is huge. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, like I said, coming directly towards us. Uh, it's a scary looking monster of a hurricane, but I lived through, uh, Hurricane Andrew. I lived through, through Katrina. I've, you know, I've gone through Wilma. Uh, I've been here in Florida for many, many years, and I've seen them all, folks. And, uh, this one scares me. It really does. This is a big, big mother of a hurricane. And mother being the key word, and uh, the reason I say that is because, yes, this is called Hurricane Irma, which, by the way, Chris... It's Irma, I thought. Irma is the Spanish translation. Irma wow. is the way Americans say it. But it's the same thing. Irma, Irma. Okay. Potato, potato. The point is, guess what the, that name, you know, guess what that name means to me? Death. No. Well, no. sadly enough, yes. And you, and when I tell you, you're going to be like, oh, shoot, why did I say that? That's my mother's name who passed away mm. last year. Mm. So it did mean death. Yes. Yeah. I didn't my know that. Away, my mother passed away of cancer last year, as a lot of you know. I spent time off the show. And uh, her name was Irma, Irma. And um, it was kind of a, a weird thing, man, when I was uh, talking to my brother a couple of nights ago when they first announced this hurricane and, and, and announced the name of the storm. Oh. My brother was. Uh, my brother tells me, hey, so you heard uh, of the storm in the uh, Caribbean? I'm like, no, what storm? You go uh, Harvey? And then he's like, no, 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 the other one coming along. And I'm like, no, I didn't know there was another storm coming. He's like, oh, yeah. And it's already, it's got a name. And I'm like, really? And he's like, Google it. You're going to freak out. So I Googled it, and I see Irma. And I'm like, no way. Mm. And I talked to my brother again, and he's like, bro, a year later, and now we are, what are the odds that a storm is going to be called Irma, which is a, not a very common name Mm-mm. to begin with. I mean, Harvey, Jose, those are very common. That's what usually they go for. Irma, Irma, it's not a very common name. And that's, I don't know if I've name. ever heard one named Jose. Yeah, well, yeah, they, I don't think they've ever had a Hurricane Jose. Oh, okay. I don't think so, yeah. I, not that I'm I don't, aware of. I don't, okay, well, yeah, I didn't think so, but maybe there was. I don't know. But it's, a, waiting, it's a more common name, I'm Hurricane Chris myself, you know. <laughs> there you go. Hurricane <laughs> yeah. Chris Brown. <laughs> uh, there you go. He's going to come in there. You better watch. It's going to be slapping all the girls around and biting everybody's fingers. There you yeah. go. Now, ironically enough, I was telling my uh, my brother as we were talking about this thing, and I was like, my goodness, if this completely misses us, uh, we could just, uh, you know, chalk it up to uh, mom keeping an eye on us, making sure we don't get hurt, you know, and uh, maybe that's a sign from the other side that we were getting from uh, from our deceased mom. And uh, he was like, yeah, I think mom is trolling the planet right now. That's what's going on. She's trolling everybody with this hurricane, and it's not going to do anything. It's just, you know, that's a just, sign of mama. It's a sign. Yeah, it's like Mama yelling, saying, "Get the hell out, son!" <laughs> oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, please take a second here for let me say something. Really, as Eve, as a friend, uh, do take time and really think this out when tonight, as you as you sit and kind of ponder what you're going to do, because you really might want to start. And I know you have a lot of 
you got all your stuff, and that's a big thing. I know you're thinking, holy yep. cow, I got <laughs> all this stuff, and I know, okay, I know you're 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 guarding that like a fortress because you put uh-huh. so much work and heartache into that. But what you need to do is start taking that down, putting those special things away, which maybe you already have. And, and just really kind of start to prepare because, um, you might, you might need to go and you might need to put some stuff in the trunk and say, I got it. We got to get out of here, bro. Well, usually my house is, my house is on a hill and it's a very sturdy, uh, house. It was actually built in 1996, so it's not that old of a house. Uh, it was built after Andrew and it was built with all the regulations of what happened during Andrew, so they knew exactly how to build these things afterwards. Um, and like I said, other storms have come and gone. Nothing's happened to the house, and a couple of them were pretty, uh, pretty big. Not as big as this, obviously. This is a huge storm. Depending on where it hits, then I have something to worry about. If it's not too close to my area, maybe I don't have much to worry about. Um, but look, here's the thing. There's not going to be flooding here like like we see in Houston. That's not going to happen. It's just two different, uh, you know, areas. That won't happen. My house is on a hill to begin with. Even though there's a little bit of flooding, it won't come into my house, believe me. There's, that's, there's no chance of that at all. Yeah. Well, that's uh, a be- good thing. That's a good part. Uh, I mean, there's no way the, the, the water's going to rise to 20 feet here in Florida. That's just not going to happen. So that's, you know, one thing that at least I'm okay in that, in that aspect. Now, if my roof caves in or, uh, God forbid, it blows out and, you know, it takes all my stuff with it, you know, I'll be okay to leave at that point and, uh, find shelter somewhere, maybe go to my dad's if his house is there or, or leave at that point. But I have, I highly doubt anything that major is going to happen to the house. I really, really doubt it. Um, I'm, you know, hoping yeah. nothing happens. I hope well, I can just, you know, write it out. You know where you live. Like you said, you're on a hill. That's a great thing. Yeah. And, you know, the key of this is what you said, though, is that you wouldn't want anything to essentially, you know, get off the, the roof of the house or suck you out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at, at worst, if it destroys everything that I own, and you see my studio, I have a lot of stuff in this, in this studio. Yeah, that's what dis- I was thinking. If it destroys everything, you know, this is all property. This this could all be replaced. It's, it's material possessions. Um, you know, none of this uh, means anything at the end of the day. When you lose a loved one, like I lost when I lost my mother, you know, that becomes very apparent that material possessions mean nothing. The loss of a of, of a loved one, that is what means something. So as long as uh, my nephew, my brother, my father, and my family members are okay and uh, we live through the hurricane, everything else... Small potatoes. Yeah, that, and that yeah. is the key. And that's like I've said at the beginning is make sure that uh, you just pack everything up, your your real prized possessions that you do want just in case. In a certain area, you know, your your little Star Wars characters that haven't gotten out of those boxes yet. I know you probably have. <laughs> and, <laughs> and those special things. And you put them in their little treasure chest and uh, pray to Darth Vader that he intercepts <laughs> with the Force and... And sucks that thing right over in another direction. Ah, well, let's go in another direction. How's that uh, for uh, a segue? (laughs) Let's get some news going here, guys, because after all, we have uh, a lot more show. In fact, uh, we have the end of the hour here pretty soon, and our guest Stephen Myers is going to be joining us. And my goodness, am I looking forward to talking to this man. You have literally no idea uh, how long I've wanted to have somebody who is a legit researcher into that the subject is. of the pyramids. And, uh, and to the, not only the, the, the reason why they're there, but the technology that was used to mm-hmm. build these things. Because that is the key, folks. 
Yeah. Because we're talking about technology used then that we don't know about now, that we cannot duplicate now. We can't build these things ourselves. But yet, in the middle of the desert, we have these great pyramids, and in, in, in South America, we have these pyramids that have been standing there through the test of time. I mean, how is that even remotely possible? Where right. folks that had, as we think of it, no technology whatsoever. And but perfectly yet, lined up with the moon and all the things that they are all lined up with, special in, in space and all that, you know? All the stars, all the stars, moons. Yeah. I mean, it, when you when you really think that's about where you it, get to the when I was saying earlier about the thinking. <laughs> that's where you get when these guys had some serious thought going on. Well, when you really think about it, I mean, the, the, it's not just that they were really thinking about this stuff, but when you really think about it, I mean, these folks were definitely highly evolved people. These were not stupid individuals. And uh, these are folks that were, you know, doing stuff that we just are not aware of, and it's our fault for losing this knowledge. Yep. Because this is knowledge that was probably passed down, and like you said earlier, when uh, something gets told from one person to the next, normally information information changes. You know, like, it, it just does. It's just, it's part of human nature, unfortunately enough. You know, we, we tend to embellish things or change things to fit our criteria of what we want to be said, right? It's kind of like yeah, and, and, and Americans do it a lot. Do it, do it more. Oh, we're, 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 we're the worst. Yeah, we, we're, the, we're worst. the worst. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why even lie? Yeah. At this point, I mean, why lie? Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but let's get to some news. I'm going to segue to the news segment here. And uh, this is uh, exciting news, guys. Uh, sentencing date has been set for Mr. Sean David Morton. Oh. That's right. The one and the only. Remember, he was on the run. That's right. All 500 pounds. I mean, he was on the run for a while. It's crazy. Now, Sean David Morton is scheduled for sentencing September 18th, right? That's a long from now, at 11 a.m., and remains lodged in the San Bernardino Jail, where he is uh, waiting for prosecutors to recommend a 87-month prison term. Ooh. Morton is likely to receive more time for failing to appear in his original sentencing in June, where he went on the run. Now, I'm a big guy myself. I'm not going to lie. I'm that little skinny uh, type of guy. Big guys should not go on the run because we're not yeah. going to get too far. We just, we're just we not. Mm-hmm. So what's that, like six or six or seven years or something he's looking at? Yeah, roughly. Maybe a little bit more because he went on the run. Mm-hmm. Here, here's, some, here's some things we don't survive. We don't survive, we don't survive on the run, Sean David Morton. We mm-hmm. don't survive the zombie apocalypse. That's, you know, a given. Um... Alien invasion, we, we probably wouldn't do so well with that either, you know? Now, if we're talking about, like, a pie-eating contest, we'll kill it on that. Hey, we're killers. You're there. Yeah, I'm there. You know, it's a hot dog-eating contest, hey, we could kill it on that. No problem. Oh, well, you know, I don't know that skinny guy, you know, that's been the world champion. So skinny as a know, he eats That's meat. true, too. That's that's a great point by you. Mm. Great point. Mm. Fried chicken contest, hey, I, I love my fried chicken. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would dig in some fried chicken. But when it comes to going on the run, Sean David Morton, you're just, you were completely wrong for even thinking that you were going to get away, away with it. And, uh, he's been caught. He's, 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 uh, awaiting sentencing now. September 18th, folks. We're going to bring you more updates as it, uh, as it follows. And, uh, of course, his wife, 
and co-defendant Melissa Ann Morton is also scheduled to be sentenced the following day, September 19th. And uh, Melissa Ann is scheduled to be sentenced uh, for how long? I have no idea. But both the Mortons were convicted on over 50 felony counts, ranging from fraud to conspiracy. Ooh. So. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a tricky one there. Years. You'd be lucky to get out. You know, I always say is that, you know, you and I both know he probably wouldn't do the whole, you know, 84 months or however long it was, but... But you could be looking at some some years there, a few years. I mean, for sure. Yeah, well, you know, and his he'll get out uh, on good behavior. Three, yeah, he'll get out like maybe three or four years, and sure. he won't do the all seven years. But look, he's got three years not to slim up, so he's only going to come out a little bit buffer. Yeah, you know, maybe a little bit more feminine. In, in I don't jail, know how that when works. You work out. Let's just be honest. I mean, you know, you got you got fat. You can turn that into muscle a lot quicker than completely. Yeah. He's going to be he's going to be uh, in that yard and just working out, man. I'm telling you. I can see it now. Oh. Sean David Morton behind bars. And, and look, this is not a, a knock against uh, New Agers, not a knock against, uh, you know, the psychics or anything like that. Uh, this is a knock against Sean David Morton because for years he's been lying and, and frauding people and we look down upon people like that here on the show because we want honest researchers uh, to come forward. We want people with honest, you know, work behind their, you know, their name. Uh, not guys like this who is stealing money from people and just, you know, conning people out of their goods. And uh, he, he is where he belongs. He yeah. really is. So there you go. That's the... That's the update with uh, Mr. Sean David Morton for the week. And uh, that's from UFOWatchdog.com. Check them out. Great website, by the way. Love that website. Let's see. I um, have another one here. This is actually this is from uh, OpenMinds.tv. Another good one. I like that. Um, yeah, I'm going to uh, go ahead and give you the link, Chris. You can follow along. I'm sorry I didn't do that for the last one. I was oh, no busy problem. here. As... Uh, there you go, my trap. But also in the chat room, so the folks in the chat, by the way, if you guys want to join our chat room, you can go and uh, go to psn-radio.com, which I'm sure you're there now listening to us, and join the uh, chat room area. And uh, there's a banner in there for the Skype chat. Come on over. Uh, enjoy the fun. I just dropped the link in there. I'm also going to drop it in our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash skywatchersradio. And, um, let's see, I'm gonna post it in there. Oh, by the way, I just got word from the other guy. Oh. We, we finally know that he, he is not in a deep depression. Uh, he is not, uh, you know, heavily, uh, seduced by bath salts tonight. That's not what's going on. It's heroin tonight, huh? No, 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 it's it's a drug of a different choice. The airport. The airport. Yes. That's it. That's a tough one. Yeah, he says he just landed in Washington, and uh, boy, are his arms tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's an old joke. Mm. It's an old one. But anyway, moving on to this article here, it says, uh, New mysterious signals detected by SETI. Oh. What? They detected a signal? A signal, you say. Now, it says, new identified signals from deep space have been detected by the Breakthrough Listening Project. That's right, SETI, an attempt to detect evidence of an extraterrestrial civilization. Similar signals have been detected before, but more signals than ever were recorded recently. And according to the Breakthrough Listening Project, an intelligent extraterrestrial civilization has not been ruled out as a potential source. Now, the type of signal recently observed are called fast radio bursts. 
They're extremely short burst, but also extremely bright. Most of the uh, the bursts that are detected through uh, the detectors thus far have been singular events, which is not so mysterious. Scientists often discover mysterious radio transmissions, but they are typically due to cosmic events, radiation, stuff that happens in the cosmos. What makes the newly discovered signals mysterious is that they repeat themselves, and unlike a cosmic event, which sends out one large signal, these events take place over time and they keep repeating themselves. So this is interesting. This might be the first SETI signal that we are actually uh, in agreement with. Oh. It comes from another civilization somewhere in the vast regions of space. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it says here it was discovered on November 2nd, 2012, and given its name in, in 2015, it was found on uh, the, the FRB 121102 repeats. Then in 2016, it was tracked back to, the, to a galaxy billions of light years away. So going there and coming back is not going to happen anytime soon, folks. Communicating yeah. with them back and forth is not going to happen anytime soon. Don't expect uh, FaceTime with some alien on that planet anytime because that signal they came to us probably uh, left there many, many billions of years ago. We're now getting it. And if we send a reply, it'll probably be several billion years from now when they get it. In other words, we'll all be cosmic dust by the time we uh, reach our Sells back and forth, so it's not really. There's no sense of really even sending a, a signal back because they'll never get it. Yeah, that's kind of a pointless thing, but uh, hey, that's what they say. Right. Um, well, my opinion is probably a lot closer than that, but uh, maybe they're just pulling our leg by telling us it's it's billions of light years away. When, however, scientists just aren't telling us that it's only million light years away. That's still a lot of light it's years. Still away, a lot of light years away. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, come on. Dude, yeah. a light year is a lot. I know it. A million is a lot. I uh, can't even imagine. Yeah, <laughs> behold, he'll get a part 10 billions coming in there trying to relive on that day. A billion is like, oh my goodness, I can't even fathom the, the, the distance. Oh. I mean, yeah, could you? It's impossible. Now, uh, last thing I'm going to get to before we go on break here, which we're going to hit break in a couple minutes. Astronomers just discovered the hottest planet in the known universe. Guess what? It's even hotter than most stars. But it's not blazing like a star. It doesn't. It's not fire. It's not like a, the sun, you know? It says uh, K-E-L-T. Sounds, it sounds like a Happy Meal at McDonald's. K- yeah, give me uh, get the number four, K-E-L-T, with bacon and lettuce. Uh, I'm you, want fries? you want fries with that? Uh, yeah, I'll take fries with that, sure. Uh, KELT-9b is one of the craziest exoplanets to ever be discovered yet. That is the rightful citizen of the Phantasmagoria. Yeah, baby, try saying that twice. It's orbiting its star KELT-9 in a staggering 1.5 days. Wow, that goes by real quick by a star. Um, let's see, KELT-9b possesses an atmosphere that has not been seen by scientists yet due to its constant blowouts, but KELT-9, uh, says here, the, uh, this planet is a gas giant similar to Jupiter. However, KELT-9b is approximately about 2.8 times denser, with temperatures reaching approximately about, uh, 4,600 Kelvin. That's, uh, that's not bad. You can't survive yeah. that. That's not bad. Yes, the planet with such incredibly high surface temperatures reaching higher than most stars. That's right. 
So walking barefoot on that planet's surface, it's going to sting a little bit. Just It's going to hurt. It's going to leave a mark. Yeah, that it, that it would. Yeah, it's going to leave a mark. Like, that's like the planet that that it's raining diamonds, they say. Yeah, I think so. So, it, I mean, why wouldn't they just call this a, a star if it's that hot? Why why do you classify it as a planet? I don't know. I want to go visit the planet that's raining diamonds. I, I would want to go there with a, with a nice sack so I could put some of those diamonds in there also and come back with a bunch of diamonds. Ah, yeah, that's there what I was thinking. Stole your idea, buddy. Stole it right from mm-hmm. me. Guys, we're going to come back in a couple minutes with our guest. Stephen Myers is going to join us, and we're going to talk about the Great Pyramids. How were they built? What technologies were used? Because they, they definitely used some crazy, crazy technology that we don't even have an idea of right now. And It's 2017, by all means. We could develop smartphones, but we have no idea how they built the pyramids. Really? Really? Well, this man claims he knows how it was done and what technologies were used. And I'm dying to hear exactly what he has to say. Guys, we'll be right back. Again, open lines if you want to call in. 786-245-8127. This is Skywatchers Radio. Stick around. We'll be back right after the hour. consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology preventative maintenance and networking support hardware and custom built computers let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget call key information solutions now 954-973-3374 that's 954-973-3374 or visit keyinformation.com greetings my name is spud goodman and i am in fact a talk show host but the spud goodman show is more than just a talk show spud and his temporary co-host gerald it's temporary permanent co-host super interview celebrities welcome live musical guests present fascinating feature segments and take calls from an assortment of unique callers should i laugh now and you can catch the spud goodman show sundays at 7 p.m eastern right here on psn radio that is messed up yo Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The secrets of Delshaw. 
by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Alright everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio right here live again, as always, on PSN Radio. That's right, PSN-Radio.com is the place. And uh, open lines again uh, for the uh, second part of this hour. First part, I want to really dissect uh, the story and the history of uh, our guest tonight and kind of get his input of what got him involved in this uh, great mystery that is the Mysteries of the great pyramids of Egypt and really the pyramids all over the world because we've had uh, pyramids not just in Egypt, Egypt, folks. There's pyramids literally in a lot of parts of the world where you would think of and you'll be like, wait, there's a pyramid there? Really? And then, yes, there's a pyramid there also. So who built these things? Why were they built? What technologies were used? Which is very important and what I really want to get to because uh, as a lot of you know, uh, I don't give credit to aliens for everything even though this is a UFO-based show. That's not what we're about. We're about you know, spreading the truth here on Skywatchers Radio. And part of uh, my history and my belief on the history that we've been force-fed is that a lot of technologies have been lost over the years because of, well, time passes and people forget things. And that's what is, that is the rewritten of history that's happened, the rewriting of history that's been going on. And I wanted to really uh, get into that subject with our guest, Stephen Myers, who it is an honor to have on the show, sir. Thank you so much for being here with us. It's uh, just a pleasure and an honor, like I said, to have you on here with us. Well, thank you, Chris and, uh, and Angel, well, both I- of you. Yep, I'm Angel. He's Chris. I know. I'm appreci- I appreciate uh, <laughs> both, both of you uh, tolerating me for an hour. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure. Believe me. Even if you called me Chris, it's all good. Uh, the first book uh, was titled "The Lost Technology." It's a great the- name. 
It is such a wonderful name. Uh, I guess the first book is titled The Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. And your second book, The Great Pyramid Prosperity Machine, which, uh, that, that title is a, an amazing title because I see where you're going with that book. I'm going to get to that one, uh, as soon as I'm done with the first book. But, um, you know, before we get to the books themselves, Stephen, I wanted to, you know, get your input on what, you know, what made you interested in this subject because this is not a subject that you go into saying, man, I'm going to pick up so many girls by talking about Egypt and the pyramids. I'm telling you right now, this is the, the the thing to be, you know, archaeology, pyramids. That's you know, this is this is very uh, dedication. You have to put a lot of dedication to you know this subject. There's a lot of work to be done, a lot of uh, studying and research, boots on the ground type of stuff. I mean, what got you interested interested in this subject? Well, I've always been interested in technology. My uh, education is technology based, uh, and all of my interests have to do with technology. I'm an amateur radio operator. I have the uh, commercial class FCC radio telephone license. And, uh, but I'm also interested in history. So, uh, if you like, uh, technology and history, ultimately, uh, your focus will be directed to the Great Pyramid because it's a 45 story skyscraper built in ancient times that exhibits yep. a whole host of features that are, uh, required to, to have high technology so uh, i've uh, you know and it was a it was an interest at first and uh, then uh, became a hobby and then now it's a life quest now for how long have you been uh, researching the pyramids oh about 25 years now uh understanding how and why the great pyramid was assembled so it's been a it's been the long haul that's for sure now, for our ancient alien fanatics that, that listen to that show and, and believe that everything was done by aliens and, and involving aliens, can we debunk that right now? Because I know there's a lot of writings, a lot of, uh, not writing as, you know, American writing, but Egyptian hieroglyphics that, that show how these things were built. I mean, uh, can we debunk that right now and, and say that, yes, these were man-made? Actually, believe it or not, uh, who made them? is not the focus of my research. My research is about how they were assembled. Big distinction. Mm -hmm. So uh, you'll have to get someone else to debunk who made them. But uh, so I don't, I don't try to figure out if it was uh, which Pharaoh was responsible or any of that. Other people can do that. Okay. But but, uh, but in your research though, you, you, you know, you've seen, I'm sure the hieroglyphics they show kind of like, you know, how they interpret the, the building of these things. And it always shows people carrying, you know, the stones or, you know, that's kind of like, it, it's a common thread. Well, certainly there's uh, depictions in Egypt of moving obelisks on right. barges and that type mm-hmm. of thing. But uh, even even if we determine who built the Great Pyramid, the next immediate question is, well, how did they do it? Right. So then, I—that's—that's that's what the focus of my research is—is is, uh, how it was done and why they went to the effort to do it. Now, yeah, let's jump. Question. Let's jump into that because there's been, of course, about a hundred different answers over the years, uh, many different theories. Uh, let's get your take on how these things and what technology was used to build them. Well, we think that there's a profound link between water and the Great Pyramid. Mm. And uh, we contend 
that uh, the stones of the Great Pyramid were moved on barges from the Nile River all the way up to the building site through a series of water locks like those in the Erie Canal or the Panama Canal, that type of thing. And uh, the first stones that were set in place were the uh, casing stones for the first level. So those are cemented together, watertight, and that would impound a, a square pond, if you will, if you fill that area up. And then there would the barges would come from the Nile River all the way up into that pond, and then they would move the, the stones off of the barges and into the pond. And then when that process was completed, the first level of the Great Pyramid was was finished. And then they, they would, uh, the next stones would be the casing stones for the second level. And then they would add additional water to raise that pond up and also create an additional water lock for that second level. And then the process would continue systematically level by level. Wow, that makes actually perfect sense. Yeah. Um, now, have you, have you, uh, you know, read, uh, or done any research with the inner ramp theory, uh, that, uh, some folks have put out there over the years? Did there's that have, to, that have anything to do with, with this idea as well, or would that fit in with your idea? That, uh, is an explanation of the direct physical evidence. We all, okay. all researchers have the same direct physical evidence. And all researchers interpret that evidence and come up with an explanation. And there's a gentleman that's from France who contends that there is an internal spiral ramp that stones were dragged up, and ultimately that's how they were moved and uh, set in place, up this internal spiral ramp. That theory has gained a lot of traction in the realm of Egyptology, because Egyptology loves any idea where the builders of the Great Pyramid had really strong back muscles and uh, dragged mm-hmm. stones. So uh, there there has been, uh, you know, some uh, like TV documentaries and that type of thing. But I will give you my interpretation of the same direct physical evidence that everybody has, and that is there is, in, there is no internal spiral ramp. It doesn't exist. Okay. It will never, it will never be discovered. It was never used to build the Great Pyramid. No one will ever walk through this uh, internal spiral ramp because it's not there. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's his theory hasn't been proven. So, I mean, yeah, you could be absolutely right. Yeah, it it certainly is is a theory, and right. they do have scans with fuzzy pictures to uh, lend credence to this. But, uh, it, like I say, that, you know, everyone has their own ideas, and my ideas is the, uh, that there is no internal spiral ramp inside the Great Pyramid. Gotcha. Um, no, I mean, it, like I said, there's no way to prove uh, his theory unless you, like, break the pyramid apart in certain areas, and you would never uh, do that. Uh, now- well, oh, you never know. Um, but, uh, I, my, my thought is that it will never be discovered. Right. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, the alignment of the pyramids, the fact that they are so well aligned to, to the true north, um, I mean, how do, you, how do you think these folks figured this out to, uh, to have this kind of perfection? 
Well, they, uh, the sides of the Great Pyramid are aligned to the cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. Right. And uh, they are aligned real, very precisely. And uh, that is evidence. But uh, the purpose of that is, is certainly uh, the, why that was done is, is uh, under scholarly debate. And there's a whole lot of explanations as to why that was done. Right. Now, do we know, I mean, I'm sure there's, uh, I mean, especially the Sphinx, I know not long ago got checked for irrigation and they, they uh, carbon dated it and whatnot, but do we know an exact age of the Great Pyramids of Egypt? Well, the age of the Great Pyramid is certainly under scholarly debate as well. Yeah. And believe it or not, the focus of my research is not how how old it is, but how it was made. Right, right, but right. Uh, there's there are um, certainly researchers that say and Egyptologists about four thousand five hundred years ago is when it was built, but it doesn't appear that that culture can make uh, the extreme stone cutting that the Great Pyramid exhibits. Uh, Egyptology has never made like a casing stone, one of the outside stones that was made with extreme precision. They know about the technology of ancient Egypt, but they can't demonstrate using that technology the making of a component of the Great Pyramid. Isn't that interesting? They can't demonstrate. They can tell you how it was done. They know how it was done, which it was by hand tools, yet there's no one on Earth can that, can, <laughs> that can do it. Yeah. That's where, and this is where you have shows like the Ancient Aliens that take advantage of that, and and obviously they say, well, you know, since we can't reproduce it, must have been the aliens that came down and, and did it for us. Yeah, true, and I can I know where they're coming from because the Great Pyramid is from ancient times, but right. has extremely high technology. Mm-hmm. But another another option, as opposed to aliens was that they had a, a unknown or a lost technology, which yep. is part of the title of my book. Mm-hmm. You know, they, maybe they had a guy like Tesla, Nikola right. Tesla, who figured out uh, a stone-cutting method, you know, mm-hmm. that, that we don't know about. And then maybe had another guy like Victor Schrauberger, who was all into, like, uh, fluid dynamics, and then figured out a way to... Uh, move water, you know, in a very novel way. So that that's all it takes. It doesn't need to be people from Alpha Centauri or aliens <laughs> to uh, to move many heavy stones. Yeah, as you a, know, and a, I was yeah. gonna, if I could say something real quick, I was yeah, going to yeah, say go that uh, you know, a lot of people too need to remember that when there was, when you brought up out the water, is that the world's separates for for all these thousands of years and that at one point in time uh we were a lot more squished together than we were now and so that makes a lot of sense that things at that time could have been a lot easier for us all you said canals and and rivers and uh river passages and stuff like that just because of the way things happen in life so well not not only that we we know for you know i think it's almost a given now that uh you know several thousand years ago there was a lot more water and and uh plant life in that part of the world also that it's now you know mostly desert uh you know the the great sphinx uh i mean this thing was carbon dated and it supposedly was underwater several thousand years ago so if, if that's the case then we know for a fact that there was a lot of water in that area and 
that would lead directly to what you're saying. It leads, this was a big help for them. To build yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, things have changed, mm-hmm. and the Great Pyramid has been altered through the eons. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in effect a puzzle with many pieces gone. And uh, those missing pieces are what people try to uh, come up with to figure out how the Great Pyramid was originally and what its original purpose was. So that's mm-hmm. that's what I do. Yeah, this is what you and I bonded on, by the way, when I was uh, going through your stuff, because uh, for, you know, for every... Uh, Ten books that I pick up on on the Great Pyramids, or every few books that I pick up on the, uh, pick up on the Great Pyramids, everybody's always given you know a credit to an outside source uh, where they could be you know we should give credit to our own technological advances here on Earth and not just look at the last few hundred years. You know, one of my things, uh, Stephen, is that you know technology is you know what we look at now is is our technology, but it doesn't mean that's the only technology that existed on this planet. We're talking about a planet that's maybe four or five billion years old. Civilizations have come and gone, and uh, yes. we're finding stuff all the time from you know thousands of years ago before the Egyptians. Stuff that we you know we're looking at, we're like, wait a second, that looks like something you would see on a, on a clock or, or on a watch or like you know winding. Yeah. Uh, Things and, yes. and the, the, the Baghdad battery for crying out loud. There's a hammer yes. that's found. I mean, there's all kinds of technological tools that we're finding now. Yeah, yeah. Also, there's uh, technology in medicine, uh, mm-hmm. medicine technology, terrapanning, which is uh, brain surgery. There's a lot yep. of evidence for ancient uh, cutting open of skulls, and people have survived. Also, medicines, especially from South America. All, you know, really high technology in terms of medicines. Uh, a lot of the medicines we use are derivatives from the uh, ancient uh, high technology of uh, people in South America. So, yes, there's there is a lot of different ways of doing things. And uh, the, the modern world has used some horrifically horrible ways like uh, utilizing oil right. for transportation and other very, very disturbing methods of uh, technology. So ancient people, maybe they had a little better understanding of uh, some aspects of physics that they uh, incorporated into some of their high technology and devices. Do you, um, and I know this is not your, your field of expertise, uh, but do you believe or have any belief that we could have had a, you know, a place like in Atlantis many, many thousands of years ago that was, I mean, Atlantis from, you know, some of the, the, the work that's been put out there was highly, highly advanced, if at all real. Um, do you think that could have existed prior or previously to the, uh, to the Egyptian times and maybe that's where some of this technology came from? Certainly there's a possibility. Oftentimes these ancient myths and legends are uh, derived from a kernel of truth. So uh, uh, it's a possibility that there was many types of ancient high technologies. And, uh, of course, the focus of my research is the high technologies of the Great Pyramid. But uh, like you say, it's uh, certainly the Great Pyramid isn't in isolation from a civilization that built it. But it's just mm-hmm. something that survived while many other probably high 
culture or high technology aspects of that civilization have not survived. Now, have you found any correlations between the Egyptian pyramids and the other ones found over in other continents and other parts of the world? Well, I'm glad you bring that up. Uh, there are, uh, if I think that if somebody comes up with a correlation, then there's a correlation. So, uh, any, any correlation that somebody comes up with or makes up or perceives is a correlation. But there's two main types of correlations that, that exist. The first type is a valid correlation, and the second type is an invalid correlation. And there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, of both. Let me put it that way. Right. And a good, a good way to determine, uh, if a correlation associated with the Great Pyramid is valid or not is to look at the research techniques used to come up with that correlation. Mm. And, uh, sometimes the research techniques are, uh, seem to be flawed. They come up with correlations that have no, causation if you will and correlations without a causation is a very common logical fallacy yeah yeah you're absolutely right um here's an interesting take that you know i came up with uh, a few years ago uh, when trying to explain away uh how come there's other pyramids all over the world outside of egypt uh because a lot of these uh like the the Mayan pyramids and, and a lot of this stuff came, you know, after the Egyptian culture. Uh, but they were still built pyramids. My take on a lot of the stuff and that you could, you know, completely say I'm, I'm full of it or agree with me or, or, you know, whatever your thought is on it. But, uh, my thing is a lot of folks that maybe traveled to Egypt or traveled through other parts of the world saw those pyramids, eventually got to other parts of the world and started to mimic and recreate what they originally saw. And this is why they're pyramid shaped. But they don't look anything like the Great Pyramids of Egypt. If you notice some of these other pyramids, while they have similar shapes, look completely different. Oh, certainly. There's different. Well, there's different piles of rocks, if you will, right. that are pyramids. But they probably had different purposes, used different, different technologies them, right? yep. to uh, build them. They have different uh, degrees of uh, workmanship, uh, different sizes, different designs. So uh, some some pyramids the world over are made out of uh, rubble, if you mm-hmm. will, yep. and some are made out of uh, sun-baked bricks of a hundred pounds or less, mm-hmm. and uh, different technologies, you know, uh, certainly uh, are involved. So I'm, I, you know, I would never say that every pyramid uh, had the same purpose or was built in the same manner or built by the same people. Right, but what? but I do know this. Let's say you lived in in ancient times and you wanted to build a tall building and you didn't have steel I beams. A good way to solve that problem of building a tall building is to make it big at the bottom and little at the top. Correct. So they had yeah. a similar goals of of maybe a, a shape or whatever, maybe for religious purposes or for some other purpose. And uh, so they come up with similar solutions. Which is funny you say that because that was going to be my next question: is why, why, why the purpose, uh, or why the pyramid shape? Why that? You know, what's the purpose of that shape? Uh, but no, that that makes perfect sense. If you're building something that high, you want to get wide at the bottom to get that structure. 
hold the shape for a long period of time. And my goodness, the, I mean, the Great Pyramids of Egypt just stand there for, they've been there for thousands of years. And these things, That's true. they sink, they sink after, uh, whatever, a couple hundred years, it sinks like half an inch or something. Is that the case or? Uh, no, it's built on solid bedrock, so there's no uh, none, right? No settling at all for the for since it was built. My built goodness. on solid, not built on sand or anything. Solid bedrock. Uh, the reason why the I think the Great Pyramid was shaped like a pyramid, it is kind of like four dams back to back, if you will. And during the construction process, uh, it impounded water. Uh, in, in its interior, we have a video series that uh, describes the construction process at our website at uh, www.thepump.org. And you can watch that video series for free, and it describes why the Great Pyramid is in a pyramid shape. Interesting. Now, the, yeah. fo- the, the, uh, do you have a question, Chris? Sorry. I- no, I'm just fascinated. I'm just sitting here listening. It's just things I didn't know. So, I'm no, it's, it, 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 uh, it's amazing. It, this is stuff that most people don't even ask. They just uh, they're like, yeah. well, there, there must be something. Well, they gave you the uh, same stuff. Crazy reason why. Yeah, because you know my. <laughs> I get all my information kind of, I guess, from watching TV. And when you watch TV, it's the same stories over and over and over. Over and over and, and over. And so you, yeah. you just aren't, you aren't really getting, a, you know, different pictures. So that's just nice. What I, you know, it's funny because a lot of the folks, especially that I've dealt with over the years talking about the pyramids, say, you know, when the, the question of why that shape, they're like, well, it's because they're the top is the, uh, the all C and I, man. And they're just look, looking down on you. And the pyramids, yeah. you know, it, it's like an, yeah. a hierarchy type of yeah. idea. That's why yeah. you know, that's the, yeah. Yeah, they just make it up. Uh, my, my experience on on a similar theme is that the people that are into all of these correlations that people make up can't even address how the Great Pyramid was built. You know, big rocks were moved from point A to point B, and it was assembled in a pile. But they can't even address that because all they understand or their research method is, well, does something point to something, and if it does then uh, shazam it's a correlation right. or whatever and, but but it's interesting you know i've read books about let's say aircraft carriers most books about aircraft carriers talk about how it was built why it was built and uh even uh skyscrapers you know in new york uh i read a book how they were assembled why they were assembled but people that are focused on correlations just say it we can't even uh, approach that question of how it was built. We just are interested in something pointing to something else. Right. And nowadays, of course, everybody wants to point to, like, uh, aliens. That's, that's the thing now. Uh, aliens did everything. You know, if, uh, if, if all wars ended, oh, it must have been the aliens who came in and just stopped everything because, uh, you know, they do everything for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's... Uh... I, I don't think they did everything. I think human <laughs> beings, human beings in ancient times were geniuses. Yeah. And yeah. They, they were brilliant in uh, ways that we don't even fully understand. All we have is a remnant of the results of their that's brilliancy. Was, that's what I was saying. And, you know, you might have heard earlier as I was, I yeah. was hitting on it's, is the, uh, things were a lot more pure then and they had a lot more sitting around and thinking rather than just sitting and watching the computer and doing all these other little things that we have in life now these these guys were true thinkers they worked did what they had to do and thought why they were working and that's all they did because well, there was nothing else to do so and right, yeah. right. 
And then it, we live in a culture that we think and think and think and think about how to make money. You know, and yeah. if let's, we can make money by uh, selling oil and making gasoline and polluting, and polluting the earth, but we can make money or we can make money by uh, suppressing the workers. You know, people think nowadays, but it seems like that's the focus. But I think in ancient times, pe- people thought and they thought, how can we make sure our kids have a full belly? How, how can we turn the desert into a garden? Mm-hmm. And, and those are the things that people thought about. You know, how can we turn poverty into prosperity? And, uh, that, I think that's what they thought about. And, and with their, uh, mm-hmm. full understanding of, uh, physics that they were able to use that to create a, a, a device that could create prosperity in the desert. And, uh, that's what I think the Great Pyramid was for. I completely agree 100%. In fact, we see here in Florida, there's a little place called the Coral Castle. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, this area. Yes, I am. I'm familiar with that. I haven't been there yet, but, uh, yeah, it's a wonderful, um, I've read about it and everything. Wonderful. It's, it's a modern day mystery. That's for darn sure. It completely is. I mean, the way uh, this thing sits there, you look at it, and I pass by it all the time because my father lives about five minutes away from the Coral Castle. So oh, every, wow. time I go, every time I go by, I have to go by this thing and see it. And, and when you look at it and you think that the person who built this thing uh, was a very short, skinny person. He wasn't, you know, strong. He didn't use, uh, you know, tools like the way we – and this was done years ago. So it's not like he had, you know, modern technology to build this this thing. But when you actually, you know, you go in there and you, and you walk around and you see that he was able to levitate these things and do all this by himself, and you start thinking about, well, if he borrowed some kind of technology that he rediscovered from the ancient times – and he could do this on a very small scale. Just imagine what a, a pharaoh in a hundred years could do. Well, that's true. I, I, well, the pyramid. I hear what you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, what, what uh, happened at Coral Castle is not fully understood, I think, in modern times. A lot of controversy about that, but it's, right. it is yeah. a modern day uh, mystery uh, of, of what happened there. The only uh, thing that is believed is that he borrowed some kind of e- Egyptian technology that he was uh, researching. That's the, the number one thing that most people around here believe that uh, that happened there. But, yeah, yeah, it's a modern mystery. We really don't have any legit answers, uh, 100% solid answers, and we'll never have them. But when you actually, when you walk around this thing, it re- it's, you know, Stephen, it really does hit you over the head with, you know, human beings are very, very creative. We can do things that... You know, we should give ourselves more credit for because it's not always aliens that come down and give us these things. You know, we cre- we can create. We are very creative folks, and uh, it 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 must anger you whenever you hear. And folks. we only use one half of our brain. They say. Well, that's or not even half of that. that. That's a myth. Yeah. That's, not, that's not true. That's a myth. We use well, more than ten percent of our. But brain. yes, <laughs> yes, uh, human beings in ancient times. There's nothing primitive about mm-hmm. human beings in ancient times. They had the same wants, needs, and desires that we do. And uh, they uh, reached uh, the goal of achieving those wants, needs, and desires in a different manner than we have. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, what, what I'm researching is how they did it in ancient times. 
Now, the question, of course, for, for a lot of us uh, is, uh, what happened to these civilizations? Why did they uh, disappear? And, uh, you know, would we have the same fate in the future? Well, if we don't learn from our past, we're going to definitely repeat it. And uh, that's for darn sure. Now, moving on to your next book, because uh, while this, you know, book uh, is just uh, something we can talk about the entire show, but I do want to get also to the prosperity machine that the Great Pyramids uh, are, as you believe. Uh, what do you mean by that? Tell the audience what you mean by the Great Prosperity Machine. Well, I think the Great, the great Pyramid was built at a high cost and, and uh, a huge expense. In okay. manpower, resources, and everything. Well, everything that's built has some sort of a return on investment. Uh, and right. hopefully the return is bigger than the investment. Let's say make, you know, we make a hammer. Well, the return on investment for the going to the trouble of making a hammer is you can pound in a nail better than using your fist. Or let's say you go, you eat breakfast in the morning. Well, what's the return on investment for that? Well, it'll you'll get to to lunch. Right. That's a pretty good that's a pretty good return. Not too bad. But but let's say let's say I spent oh four billion dollars, okay, to make a building to symbolically tell somebody else that I knew uh, what pi was. That'd be kind of a small return on investment, don't you think? That would be uh, no return. Be I mean, small. yeah, that's that's very small. Yeah, it's minuscule. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if if you do so, if you have an investment, I mean, it could be it has has nothing to do with money. Let's say right. you know my mother was an artist. You know, she painted a picture. She went to all the trouble of doing that so you could look at it and enjoy it. Huge uh, return on investment. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you have a small return on investment for a for a big cost then that didn't work out very well. But I think that the Great Pyramid provided a huge return on investment for the original builders. It, mm. I think that it was built to be a machine that actually functioned, that mm. it was infrastructure. It was infrastructure for the civilization that built it. And that infrastructure served a purpose. And what that purpose was, was that the Great Pyramid was a massive uh, industrially scaled water pump. Mm, interesting. That's yes. a, that's a, that's one of the first uh, times I've heard anybody use that as a a reason why they were built. Uh, well, I, and it I, makes I, perfect I, sense. It, it actually, I don't, and not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but it makes perfect sense. In the hands, uh, in fact, if you listen to the show that I, you know, you listen to the show, the podcast later. In the first hour, I kind of brought this up where, you know, our, uh, our, uh, waste system, the way we, we have plumbing on this, on this planet now, we didn't just come up with this, you know, a hundred years ago or, you know, this is ancient technology that's been passed on and we've kind of like updated it over the eons and most of our technology is like that. So who's not to say that this is what they use for to pump water through the system, uh, for all of Egypt? Uh, that, well, that is correct. That, uh, it used that pumped water for a whole host of purposes, yep. including uh, irrigation for farmland, but also yep. to power heavy machinery, possibly to generate electricity. Yes. And you can use uh, water to create uh, a vacuum, which is used in industrial purposes, mm -hmm. or compressed air. My book talks all about uh, various uh, applications for uh, the pumped water, including uh, high-voltage 
static electricity, which has a whole host of scientific purposes. Yes. I see. Yep. I see the Giza Plateau more as a industrial site and science center than for like a graveyard or anything like that. Well, I mean, do you think this is what probably caused uh, the area to lose most of its water that it had back then? No, I think that was more of uh, just climate change through the eons. But gotcha. it uh, it had uh, the the passages and chambers of the Great Pyramid don't look like a tomb. So yeah. Egyptologists come up with the story that, oh, well, there's more rooms than there are bodies of a pharaoh. <laughs> you know, a guy only has one body, so uh, right. <laughs> must have had a change of plans because we just made it up. And uh, but no, the the passages and chambers. Uh, have, uh, some slats, some slots that used to have stones in them that have mm. broken away. And, uh, Savro, uh, an ancient author talked about a door on pivots to mm. enter the Great Pyramid. And that's like a, uh, the movable element of a check valve. And anyway, it had a whole bunch of stuff going on inside the Great Pyramid. Uh, which ultimately uh, pumped water through those passages and chambers. So I discuss that in my book in uh, great detail. And uh, so uh, that's that's what we think, that it was used to pump water. And that would use a heck of a return on your investment if you could do all that with uh, these pyramids. Um, well, that's a, yeah. It's an amazing theory, definitely. Well, the largest structure in North America is the Grand Coulee Dam in Washington State. It dams the Columbia River, and it is used for a huge irrigation project. It irrigates over a million acres, and it has water pumps, believe it or not, right inside the dam that pumps water up higher than the dam into a depression, a depression called the Grand Coulee, and it's a monstrous lake, and uh, the farmers in central Washington uh, have uh, just the right amount of water, not too much or not uh, not enough. So uh, I'm sure all of us have ate apples that have uh, been irrigated by pumped water from this largest structure in North America. And in modern times... I know I have, being here in Oregon, too. So Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In modern times... Believe it or not, the largest structure in the Valley of the Nile is the High Aswan Dam, uh, bigger than the Great Pyramid, and uh, they that makes electricity. But a lot uh, a lot of the irrigation in modern Egypt is powered through the uh, High Aswan Dam. Certainly, they have uh, canals, but uh, they also have a lot of rainbirds in Egypt. And those rainbirds have to be powered uh, with water going through them. That is uh, pumped water. So uh, the the High Aswan Dam is the capstone of a huge irrigation project. And the Great uh, Pyramid, I think, is the centerpiece of a huge irrigation project in ancient Egypt. That is actually more brilliant than I've heard any other, any other theory come up that's been uh, put out there. That's, uh, that's pretty... Uh, that, I mean, to me, that that's almost as uh, nail in the coffin as I would need, because that explains a lot of what we have today. Mm-hmm. We, well, I, appreci- I, I appreciate that. It's I think it's a lot better than saying, 
oh, uh, well, the vents point yeah. to stars, but the but because of the procession of the equinoxes, they don't point to those stars, but they were intended to point to those stars for some symbolic purpose. Right. Because we made that up in modern times. But there's no real feature of the specific to the Great Pyramid, which indicates the original builders intended the vents that uh, they say that they pointed to, but they don't point to those anymore. So right. it's, a, it's a non-correlation correlation. But you could just say, well, the vents point to other stars now. Maybe True. they intended the vents to point to the stars they actually point to. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. They don't do that. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the, uh, the Orion correlation theory and other correlation theories are in, kind of in crisis right now because people, you can go on YouTube every day and watch hours of people coming up with correlations between this and that or something looks like something else. Right. And, uh, no, you know, not one causation. I mean, it's just made up, uh, out of, out of just to pull it out of the hat. And people don't want to, people don't want to believe some correlation that somebody made up today and just say, Oh, well, it must have been stars or whatever. Right. Uh, must have been little gray guys that came down with the stars and the map and they told them exactly how to put it together. And yeah, there's no, end, there's stars, no end man. to it. <laughs> there's no end to it. And those people don't realize that all false correlations are uh, precise. Yep. Isn't that interesting? All false mm. correlations are precise. Mm. And mm-hmm. 70 years ago, there was this big correlation theory between the the Great Pyramid and the Holy Bible. And they have hundreds of precise correlations showing how the Great Pyramid predicted the birthplace of Jesus. And then they come up with the pyramid. <laughs> no, I'm serious. They come up with the I pyramid. I believe you. Yeah, I believe you. And it's on and on. And, it, and the Great Pyramid predicts all of this Bible prophecy. And all the correlations are precise. But, mm-hmm. there, you know... It's on a it's on a foundation of sand right. because uh, it they they use the same logical fallacies in their research as the as the uh, Orion correlation theory or whatever you want to call it. This, so this it, is, it really is no more than the six degrees of Kevin Bacon type of type of scenario where using using the pyramids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, six, yeah. It, we're all six degrees away from Kevin Bacon, but there's no <laughs> causation. There's no real causation for that. I mean, there's nothing that uh, there's no corroborative evidence. But right. what they do, what they do is that they increase the uh, data pool so they can cherry pick stuff from all over the globe and, and everything. So it's just it's just unbelievable. But specifically to the Great Pyramid, there is no feature that indicates the original builders intended the Great Pyramid to be understood by being measured. Right. I have a bicycle, you know, and and it wasn't built to tell me that the original builders of the bicycle knew pi, even though it had, you know, it has wheels, okay? It didn't, it wasn't built to tell me symbolically that the earth spins on its axis, Mm -hmm. my bicycle. You know, my bicycle is not understood by being measured. And the Great Pyramid, I think, is not properly understood by just measuring stuff, playing with the numbers, and coming up with something. 
Correct. Yeah. No, and, and like I said, your theory, the, the reason I say it, it's almost a nail in the coffin for me is because it literally, it, this is like literally the missing link to my theory for, that, that, that I said earlier in the show, that my theory that we are just borrowing technology from the ancient times, modernizing it, updating it, and, uh, using, you know, what we have, uh, you know, sort of lost with these technologies. And, uh, and I say we as a collective because, yeah, you know, w- you know, we are the ones that are, are taking advantage of this technology, but this is stuff that's hundreds and hundreds of years old, and we have been just modernizing it over the eons. And I do believe that, you know, you literally just, uh, you put that missing link in there for me as where we got irrigation, water pump systems, all these different things, which would be the first form Forms of technology, really, on, on a planet Earth. When you think about it, when you're a civilization that's really coming together, what's the first things you want to take care of for your people? Well, you want to make sure they have water running, that they can, you know, farm the land, that they have, if you could, you know, harness electricity for whatever purpose, you know, you want to have that for for the people. I mean, you take care of this structure first, and this is why they would build these, these certain things, so they could spread this out through the, uh, to the people of their land. So it would, make, it, would, it would make perfect sense that these are some of the first technologies that we're seeing coming along, big technologies, and now we're finding smaller things that are kind of fitting into the pieces of the puzzle, like the Baghdad battery and things of that nature. Now, um, what's your take on the Baghdad battery? I mean, that is well, okay. clearly Baghdad, some form of technology. The Baghdad battery is a clay jar right. with a copper tube in it, and inside mm-hmm. the copper tube is a piece of iron. Right. Okay. And then you put grape juice in it, and you can measure, uh, you know, people have made them. You can measure a voltage, usually about yeah. a half of Yep. And uh, that is an interpretation of the direct physical evidence. Egyptologists say, "Oh no, no, it's like a it's like a religious artifact, or maybe it's like a like a doll, or it's uh, <laughs> just you know it's symbolic or whatever." So my take on the Baghdad battery is that it is a Baghdad battery, and they've, there's thousands of them they had. They used mm-hmm. them for a whole host of purposes. One. Uh, would be for electroplating. Mm. So, so they, uh, you know, electroplate, uh, some of these, uh, um, probably artifacts. lights or stuff like that. Make oh, yeah. Use them for lights. Sure. Yeah. Use them yeah. for medical purposes. Use them to mm-hmm. control the masses with, uh, like magic, you know, that type of thing. Right. Use them for just a whole host of purposes. And, uh, you know, all of, all of us people in modern time carry around little batteries. They're in our cell phones or they're in our watches. So, uh, there's a lot of purposes for, uh, you know, the Baghdad battery, you know, uh, and, uh, it's a fascinating, uh, tremendous example of a uh, technology of, uh, that is very high. That was from ancient times. Amazing, isn't it? It's just incredible when you, when you go back and you research some of the history of uh, this planet that we are able to, because there's, like I said, there's a lot of history that's been lost over the years, but when you really start to look, th- look at things and you put things together and you really, you know, go at it with an, with an open mind that human beings are responsible for a lot of this stuff, it really does uh, put things into perspective. And like I said, it adds the pieces to the puzzle that, uh, you know, that I've been searching for. Uh, I, man, this is, this is, you know, a mind-blowing moment because it really did completely close a chapter to a question that I've had for many years as to why these things were built. And, and I believe that you, you've nailed it right on the head because I, I often 
have you know used that uh, excuse that you know we've you know we're just we're living on borrowed technology from the ancient times and we're just updating it as we go along and that's something we've been doing here for thousands of years on this planet so this just completely adds to that theory of mine so thank you for that for uh, for writing that for writing these books and and well, I, that. <laughs> I, I appreciate the kind words and I I, I hear that, to be honest with you I am just a humble researcher. Uh, looking at the Great Pyramid on a technological level, because no matter what it was for, it was built. Correct. And uh, a good place to start is how were the stones moved from one place to another? So um, I, I have done that, but I hear that a lot. I hear the word compelling and uh, a tremendous alternative. So I really thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's in, those are two uh, definitely uh, two <laughs> words that definitely belong here. Compelling in, uh, but we have a caller on the line. Caller, you're live on Sky Watchers Radio with Stephen Myers, who is just blowing our minds right now with uh, with this amazing uh, theory. Uh, wh- what do you want to add to the call? Yes, indeed. Uh, all right, I'd maybe like to change it just a little bit. If you could comment on the uh, the buried pyramid they found in Gobekli Tepe. I think I'm saying that right. Uh-huh. And also, does he? And also, do you know anything, or can you add anything to the uh, supposed uh, underground pyramid in Alaska near Denali, in the oh, Denali region out there? Uh, certainly, uh, the first pyramid that you mentioned uh, over there. There, there is a lot of. Uh, ongoing research and a lot of the, the, that's new discoveries over there in uh, Globy Tempe area. And uh, again, that's beyond the focus of my research. So uh, I don't know about any passages or chambers. People often ask about uh, the Bosnian pyramid and that type of thing. Uh, like yeah, I say, yeah. that's beyond the scope of my research. There is some, Fascinating uh, photographs of what appears to be a pyramid in Alaska. Uh, out in, oftentimes the pictures are covered with snow, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, what I'm in favor of is additional research on all of these things, even the pyramids uh, supposedly on Mars. You know, instead of just yes. saying, you know, instead of just coming up with something. Let's 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 do some research and not just tell stories mm-hmm. and that type of thing. That's why I founded a nonprofit foundation that uh, is dedicated to understanding how and why the Great Pyramid was built. And our current it's a nonprofit foundation. Our current fundraising effort is for a 3D printer. If anyone wants to get involved with that, we have a crowdfunding site for that. And Very you can cool. find out about that at our website at uh, the pump.org. So hopefully people will be interested in that. The pump.org. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Angel, I love the live, live shows and, uh, thank you, sir. Keep on, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Uh, I wish I could have given him better answers, but uh, like <laughs> I say. No, it's it's not your area yet of expertise, but uh, hopefully we'll have you back on one day soon, and you uh, you'll be able to tell us more on those 
uh, great pyramids out there. You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I've also often uh, thought that, man, with the amount of, like, say, potions and uh, climate changes that we've had on this uh, planet over the last uh, several billion years, I wonder how many pyramids are buried, like, deep underground and under the oceans and, like, in the Antarctic and, uh, and Alaska and, you know, the, you know, areas where we just, we can't walk because there's nothing but snow or water there. But how many are actually just hidden and built, uh, where we can't see them and they're just there and, uh, you know, amazing technologies were used to build these things, and you know now they're gosh, they're gosh, they're gone from our uh, from our uh, visit from our uh, existence. You know, they're just they're they're not visible to us anymore. Oh, that's true. I mean, they, they they discover huh. some pyramids uh, all the time. Like the Bosnian pyramid is for mm-hmm. a fairly recent discovery. So uh, uh, who who knows? And wouldn't it be nice to find like a pyramid as sophisticated as the Great Pyramid that hasn't been damaged through the eons. So, oh, wouldn't that that be wonderful? That'd be be great. Stephen, we're almost out of time, uh, sadly enough. I I do want to get you you back on the show once I go through both books in the near future and uh, go through more of the information on you, because they really are wonderful books, especially the first one that I'm reading. I haven't got through the second one yet, I I won't lie to you, but the uh, first one, it's it's wonderful so far to see some of uh, you know, alternative research that I, I was not aware of that actually, like I said, it really does uh, seal what I've been theorizing for a long time. So uh, once I go through both books, I, I definitely want to have you back on and, uh, you know, build a relationship uh, with you on the show here to, to have you on and talk about these things because we need more folks like you that are actually talking about the way these things were built and not just some uh, fantastical story of uh, somebody from Beta, uh, beta Sig- Reticuli or from other uh, galaxy out there coming in and uh, and doing the job for us uh, that nonsense. Uh, yeah, and do you have any other books that you're coming out with in the near future? Anything else that, you, that you're going to uh, put out that we might want to talk about? Well, I do have my uh, again my first book, Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. It's mm-hmm. available from Amazon in soft cover or Kindle ebook. So you can and it's cheaper with the Kindle. So, uh, yep. also, uh, you can, you can, uh, read it from your phone, your tablet, or your PC. Mm-hmm. And then I, my second book is The Great Pyramid Prosperity Machine, also a soft cover or Kindle ebook. Uh, we do have a DVD documentary, uh, which is available from Amazon, How the Great Pyramid Was Built Using Water Locks and Barges. And our uh, big project that we're doing right now is we are producing a second DVD about uh, how the uh, water moved through the Great Pyramid. It's quite visual, and uh, it'll be a companion piece to our second book, while our first DVD documentary is a companion to our first book. So uh, a lot is going on, and uh, if they want to contact us, Find out uh, what we're doing. Ask us a question about our foundation or our research. They can, or if they want to be uh, become involved, and we need help with updating our website, as people will see when they look at it. <laughs> hmm. But uh, they can contact us by email through our website at uh, thepump.org. Pump.org. Uh- my goodness, uh, you know, the, the, having the DVDs uh, attached to this, by the way, is a brilliant idea. Uh, we're a very, we're a very visual species now. We, we love seeing, you know, things on video. That's the way to go for a lot of this stuff, uh, especially when you can just show people, like, you know, what you mean, but instead of having them you know, read, which I know I love to read, but not everybody does. 
Uh, so that's a, a brilliant idea. Is that something you are going to do more of in the future? Oh, yes. Uh, we're, uh, we're going to, uh, like I say, we've already done one DVD documentary with quite a few computer generated animations nice. about how, how the water locks work. And then now we're doing how, uh, the Great Pyramid operated as a water pump with computer generated animations and it could be a little more than an hour long. And certainly a lot of information, not as much as in a book, but, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll certainly, the two will supplement each other, my uh, second book and my second DVD documentary. So, uh, we're going to do some videos about, uh, uh, research techniques on the Great Pyramid, uh, videos on the, uh, issues with, uh, correlations and causation and, uh, all of that, you know, at the whole long thing. But uh, also, uh, do a, we're going to do just a, a YouTube video on Great Pyramid passages that don't exist. And uh, everyone has a pet theory, but they require the, uh, the evidence to be different than it really is. In other words, a lot of people put extra passages for certain purposes into the right. Great Pyramid. And we're going to make a YouTube video about that. So there's a lot going on. Everything takes so much time. Mm. And, uh, but, uh, we're having a blast and it's been, I've been able to meet people like you, you know, and it's, uh, been wonderful. Travel to Egypt a few years ago and, uh, you know, it's been a tremendous hobby, a lot of fun. Yeah. That must have been amazing when you first stood there in front of the, I mean, you saw the pyramids in person, I assume, and you've been in front of them. And, uh, I mean, how was that experience for the first time when you went up there? Oh, it's, uh, it's massive. <laughs> to say the least, but yeah. uh, what's what's also impressed me was just how big the components were. Mm. Oh, you know, it's yeah. like uh, uh, the the heaviest stones of the Great Pyramid weigh about as much as an Abrams A1 tank, wow. seventy tons. So yeah. if you know, it's just a different scale. It's just different. Uh, you know, you don't see people. Uh, pulling Abrams tanks through the sand, uh, just pull, <laughs> no. pulling it with ropes, you know, pulling them around and then lifting them up a couple of hundred feet. So <laughs> it's just, it's just out of scale, certainly out of scale for human backs to do that. So it's, uh, it's just impressive. Yeah, no, you know, and it's funny people you say that. Well, that's exactly why the aliens were involved. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> You, you, you gotta understand, back then they didn't have something called the internet, they didn't have movie theaters. Literally what people did from the moment they woke up till they went to sleep was work for the pharaohs, work for the kings, work building they were, the They were illegal aliens back then, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, was a, this is, this is a, a job from morning to night. For, for these folks and for hundreds of, for many, many years or however long it took to build these things. So it's not like, uh, you know, oh, we're busy, uh, you know, uh, online, uh, playing video games. So we, we just, we can't go build the pyramids today. I'm sorry. Sorry, Pharaoh. I'm playing FIFA 04, 04 BC. I'm sorry. I just, I can't do it. I cannot do yeah. it. Cannot go out there. It, if, you know, if, it, uh, it's a different if, time. <laughs> if Egyptology was, uh, in charge of building the Great Pyramid, it would have never been built. Correct. That is correct. With that, folks, uh, we're going to end the show. It, uh, Stephen, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for spending your hour here with us and uh, and blessing our show with a mind-blowing concept, which I know a lot of folks right now that are listening in are saying, my goodness, we never thought of that. That's, that, that is 
an answer. It, and it's an amazing answer. Thank you so much, sir. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I hope I can come back again some other time. It'll be our pleasure, believe me. Our honor. Yeah. Guys, that is the, the great Stephen Myers on the show. And uh, hopefully uh, we're going to have uh, another mind-blowing episode next week. Hopefully we're still alive and well here in South Florida. And uh, hopefully Irma has not uh, destroyed my house and studio. And uh, hopefully uh, yes. we have Robert and- Morningstar. And uh, I didn't burn it, burn down. And um... that is a, that's true. Yes, because he he comes in handy. This uh, this gentleman here, Chris Brown, is a great sidekick. And uh, thank you so much, Chris, for being here with me tonight, my friend, and, and joining on the show with us. Appreciate and, it. And and you, and sir. Stephen, by the way, you, an Oregon fellow Oregonian, you be careful too with the fires because I know they're they're just everywhere. So yes, it's uh, it's very smoky where I live in oh, southwestern right. Oregon. So yeah, it's uh, tough out here. Yeah, well, I'm here in Roseburg, so it's it's horrible. Oh yeah, I'm I'm in near Coos Bay, Oregon. Hmm? Yeah. So you both know. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I'm in a small bad. a small town near Coos Bay, Oregon. But yeah, we go to Roseburg all the time, so it's uh yeah, it's tough, tough yeah. around here. So yeah, yeah, so all my all my friends out in Oregon, stay safe, uh, stay out from the the fire, stay indoors, and uh, hopefully they uh, get that you know taken care of. Uh, to my niece who's out in Houston, uh, many blessings and love to her. You know, hopefully uh, everything over there uh, keeps working itself out. They're doing a little bit better now. And uh, uh, prayers to everybody out in Houston uh, who's going through uh, just a terrible disaster. And uh, here in Florida, we're about to get hit. Uh, Edomai's on her way, and uh, she's looking like a vicious one. So uh, let's see what that brings. Uh, guys, uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with Robert Morningstar here on the show. If not, uh, we'll be uh, back uh, as soon as we possibly can, so bear with us. This is Skywatchers Radio. I am Angel. That is Chris. And our guest tonight, of course, Mr. Stephen Myers, uh, an amazing guest. Pick up his books, Amazon.com. Go there right now. Buy both. They're, they're awesome. You're going to love them. Believe me. Take my word for it. They're a great read. Uh, till next time, guys, as I always say, keep looking to the skies. You might just see something. You never know. Take care, everybody. <laughs>